scar, rumors destroy, bullies kill, unknown. Paranorman. Trigger warning for this episode, bullying. Please stay safe and stay sane. Thanks for listening. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard, and with me once again is my beautiful wife, Alina. Hello. Uh, yeah, so uh, Alina basically told me I had to do this for Halloween. <laughs> so that's why we're doing Paranorman for Halloween. It's all Alina's fault. Yeah. Um, but no, I really, really enjoyed the movie. If you haven't watched it, I would suggest watching it. It's a really, really good a heartwarming movie. Wouldn't you wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And I think that it is super underrated. Like I remember wa- seeing the trailer for it um and not being that interested in watching it because it's kind of weird. You're not sure what age group it's for based on the trailer. Yeah. Um cuz it's PG-13, but it's an animation. It's stop motion. Um so <laughs> It was, you're not sure, like, what age group for it's for, but it's produced by Leica, it's directed by uh, Chris Butler and Sam Fell, and if you don't know, Leica da- is a stop-motion animation studio in Portland, Oregon. They did, stu- they did other movies like Coraline, Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, Missing Link is their newest one, and when I found that out... Um, I finally sat down and watched it because I love their other movies. And I realized this is a great movie. It is 10 out of 10. It is really, really good. Like, I was very happy with the movie. And the stop motion is incredible. Like, I thought it was just, like, like blocky animation. I'm like, it's kind of blocky. And then and then Alina was like, it's stop motion. I'm like, oh, well, that's very smooth for stop motion. Yeah. You and know? They, I think they broke a lot of barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did with Kubo and the Two Strings. They did a lot of stuff that you've never seen with stop um, motion before. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's a great animation. Yeah. So the major theme that I got from this movie was bullying. Um, Definitely. How, how, like, bullying, you know, adults bully as well as children bully each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes adults bully kids as well. And um, I, and I, I called it from the very beginning while watching it. I was like, this is, like, this is... Comparing modern-day bullying to the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another theme that you see in it is tolerance. Mm. Tolerance versus acceptance versus intolerance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to say two quotes that I saw in the movie that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one is, We thought we knew our way in life, but in death we are lost. Um, I really like that quote because I feel like there's a lot of justification for, um, like, if we're if we're mean to someone... We, we tend to, as humans, like, tend to justify why we're mean to them. It's because they're weird. It's because they're, you know, and instead of they're just... They're different. They're different. And instead of just, like, saying sorry. And so, um, you know, that, that quote spoke to me in a way, like, we may think that what we're saying and doing is, is right. We may justify it, but that doesn't, like... And later on, we'll be lost because we, we were mean and yeah. stuff, you know? That quote, actually, that whole scene is the reason why I love this movie so much. All throughout, I was watching it for the first time through. I was watching it, and I was thinking, okay, this is quirky and fun. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you get the flashback of Norman and Agatha's trial. Um, and then he comes back to, you know, the present day in real time. Mm -hmm. um, and he just, he looks at the zombies, the, vi the quote unquote victims, um, the witnesses to Agatha with so much hurt in his eyes. Mm -hmm. And just like, he says, how could you? Um, she was just like me. And that whole scene um, and listening to the judge's response is the reason why I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, <clears throat> most people, when they realize they've done something wrong, we, we kind of have to... We're, we're obviously on the side of Norman in this mm -hmm. whole movie, um, but that's because we can see that he can see ghosts. And because yeah. we can see that, like, that makes us more inclined to, to being on his side. Mm -hmm. But, like... I mean, how many times would we see someone that's just talking to to the air, essentially, and like, and they say they're talking to ghosts? Like, how much, you know? I like to believe that I would, I would, I wouldn't like bully them or be mean to them, mm -hmm. but I might make jokes about them on the side, or I might, you yeah. know, I I might not want to be close to them or their friend because, you know, I don't because it's weird and, and it's different yeah. and like I, I'm just like being honest with myself is like. Um, that's a hard thing if you haven't experienced that to wrap your head around. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things like that. Like, um, the, the reason why people are homophobic is one, because they're taught that way, but two, it's hard for them to wrap their head around it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, because it's just not normal in their world, you know? Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting. So it sounds like if you were one of Norman's classmates, you wouldn't be a bully to him. Um, you would tolerate him. Mm -hmm. There is this great scale. It's called the diversity tolerance scale. Mm -hmm. um, that basically defines the stages of tolerance towards people that are different from us. Mm. Um, there is intolerance, which is I am going to work to make sure you stay an outsider yeah. because you're different from me. Um, and so for Norman, that's... Uh, Alvin, <laughs> it's so funny to say Alvin because Alvin's the name of the bully, but we also have a super cute nephew yeah. who's Alvin, who is just so cute. Anyway, um, Alvin is intolerant of Norman mm -hmm. and being different. And he is like, I am going to bully you and I am going to keep you an outsider from mm -hmm. the rest of us. Yeah. Um, and I think his dad is in between intolerance and tolerance. So mm -hmm. tolerance is I don't really accept you, but um what did, but you know you have a right to be here. Mm -hmm. Um his mom I think is a good example of tolerance. Like his mom kind of acts as the bridge between Norman and his dad. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's more between I think she's she's more accepting, but then the grandma is fully accepting. Yeah, the grandma um, is affirms. It's affirmation. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, I don't. I don't think she's just affirmation. So the last step is celebration. Mm. So it's not just like I affirm that you are different from me, and that's okay, and I love you. Mm -hmm. um, the next step is celebration. So I want to celebrate that you are different from me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's what his grandma does. Neil, his chubby redhead friend, yeah. um, he affirms mm -hmm. Norman. Yeah. 
And I think, like, it's... I think most people are in between affirmation and tolerance. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, the minority of people are generally in, in intolerance and celebration. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. There is another one between affirmation, acceptance, um, and tolerance, and that's civility. But in my mind, like, civility and tolerance... is just neutral. It's very neutral. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very know? passive, you know? Yeah. But while celebration and intolerance is very active. Mm-hmm. Like, the more center you get, the more passive you are in that scale, I think. And then the more outward you get, the more um, active you get. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be a celebrator mm-hmm. um, sometimes. And I try to, to accept people. Um, but it... It's honestly hard when people are different from you because, yeah. like, people like to stay in their bubble and people like to, you know, just just live how they're living. And, it, and when people come and disrupt that, then you have to change. Like, you have to change mm-hmm. or you have to fight against that change. Yeah. Well, and also, it, it's you have to expand. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember feeling this as a kid is when you're a little kid, you think that everyone is experience the wor- experiencing the world exactly like you are. Yeah. Um, and that's part of child psychology. They're egocentric. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you realize that not everyone is experiencing the world like you, it causes you to expand. And when we have to expand, it's an uncomfortable experience mm-hmm. at the start. Yeah, well, I remember when I was a kid, I, I um, found out that everyone else wasn't LDS. And I was uh-huh. like not everyone goes to the same church yeah. as me or goes at all. Like, uh-huh. you know, cause the first, uh, I was, I was talking about going to church and then, um, one kid mentioned that he was Catholic. I'm like, that's not real. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's not, not real. real <laughs> like w- w- it's just church. Like you just go to church. Like there's uh-huh. no differences. And then, he, and then he was like, no, I'm Catholic. Um, he was like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm Mormon. And then he was like, he was like, oh, I've heard of you guys. and mm-hmm. but So it, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that, because um, I, I kind of went through the same thing. And at that point, I was, I've never been intolerant mm-hmm. um, of anyone else having a separate belief system for me. Um, but I do think I have been passive. You know, I've been civil. And now um, I think I, I've moved to affirming where... I really enjoy like learning about what other people believe and like where they get their comfort and their yeah. purpose in life from mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Um, since we're talking about like tolerance and acceptance, there is, um, a part that I want to talk about. Okay. And that is, well, <laughs> there's a lot I want to talk about, uh-huh. but to start off with, um, Norman's uncle, uncle Prender Schnash whatever his name is, mm-hmm. he has been basically made an outcast yeah. of the family. His, Norman's father, Perry, does not want him, does not want his wife, the uncle's sister, to interact with him. Yeah. He does not want Courtney and Norman, his two children, to interact with his, his uncle. Like, mm-hmm. he has completely cut out the uncle from the family. Yeah. Why? Because he was the same, like, Norman was an outcast, mm-hmm. and he was the same. I think it runs through the family. I actually think that the witch uh, was an ancestor of Norman. Oh, we know she is, because her name is Agatha Prendersen. Oh, yeah, that, that's right, that's and right. And 
and we know that Norman's mother's maiden name is, is, is Prendersnatch. Yeah. Or, we're saying it wrong. But <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. But yeah. yeah. And so... I actually have a theory about that that okay. I can share later. Um, but like... He was an outcast because he was different. Mm -hmm. uh, but I from think... his own family? Like, Norman hasn't been kicked out of his family. Well, I mean... He's 11, he, but still. It's easier to kick out uh, an adult drug addict than to kick out a, a young 11-year-old kid that's a little off, yeah. you know? And I mean, but, I mean, also, they also killed an 11-year-old girl mm -hmm. in, in the past because of it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not... People, like, people outcast people that are different than them. Yeah. And, I mean, we... But... I mean, you hear, you hear so many stories of people disowning their family because they leave the religion that the, the, the family accepts. Or they come out as LGBTQ. Or they come out as LGBTQ. Or even if they marry someone that's a different race. Like, mm -hmm. they sort of become outcasts because they don't fit the normal yeah. anymore. But even on, like... Um... I want to talk about even more common uh instances well i mean that's very common but what do you do if you have a family member that's just you know kind of weird you know just kind of socially awkward what if they have severe autism or what if they have down syndrome like what if they're just not our normal do you do you disown them do you ostracize them no obviously yeah. not i don't i don't think that's right like you but that's exactly what they do to his uncle. He, mm -hmm. I don't think he's a drug addict. I think he's taking the pills because he's dying. Um, mm. I I took that as that he was a, a drug was addict, a, addicted to drugs. I think that was. I don't think they would have shown uh -huh. like him just taking pills constantly. I think that was a nod to oh, he's taking pills. Oh, and um, yeah. And see, I thought like he kept on clutching his heart, mm -hmm. and so I took it as he has a heart condition. Well, even if a, you have heart problems, you don't just like take out a bottle of pills randomly and pop it into your mouth. I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting discussion to have because mm -hmm. um, obviously there's certain situations. If you have an uncle that should not be around your children, yeah. that has not treated you well, you're afraid they won't treat your children well, mm -hmm. that is definitely a situation where you keep them away. Mm -hmm. um, but I... But we didn't see any evidence that he was a bad person. No, I'm just I'm mm -hmm. just giving an example. Yeah, yeah. I, Without getting super personal, I have... Um, an, <laughs> I'll just say it. Um, I have an aunt that struggles very heavily with um, mental illness and addiction. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a point where she decided to disown us. Like she unfriended us on, um, all social media. She stopped interacting with us and she's all like, you guys aren't my family anymore. And we just were all like, Oh, um, okay. Uh, we're still here if you, if you need us. Mm -hmm. Um, and then later she did come back and she's all like, I want to reconnect with you guys. And I feel like because of a lot of frustrating instances we've had with this aunt, it would be so easy to be like, forget it, you know, like you're, you make things difficult. We don't want you around. Mm -hmm. Um, but we didn't do that. Um, but I mean, but I feel like even if people are outcasts and you're trying your best to do, uh, to like 
accept them, mm -hmm. they're still outcasts in your head. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, and, um, I, I, I just had a thought, like, sometimes people choose to be outcasts on their own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people feel like outcasts because of the, because of the actions and words of other people. Um, and... Which do you think Norman is? Um, I think he was an outcast because of other people not accepting him. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think that, I think that the more times people are rude to someone, then that makes it easier for that person to choose to be an outcast, mm -hmm. to choose to not come around, to choose to not uh, participate because they're done being mistreated. Yeah. And so, uh, I, and I don't know exactly what happened with your um, aunt, but, uh, you know, she might have felt ostracized and she might have not. Yeah. You know, she might have just decided, I'm done. Uh, but I have a question for you. Do you think that when you're alone or when you're an outcast, that makes it uh, that makes it more probable that you'll become an addict. I think it definitely doesn't help your chances mm -hmm. of not becoming an addict. Um, I, and maybe that's exactly what happened to Norman's uncle. You know, he has been ostracized from his family. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, everyone thinks he cra he's crazy. Maybe he even thinks he's crazy a bit mm -hmm. um, because no one can see the things he sees. And so maybe that did lead him to see comfort in substances. Mm -hmm. So I, um, yeah, I, I don't have any scientific facts, but I'm sure it doesn't help. Yeah. Um, especially if you're already dealing with some kind of addiction, mm -hmm. isolation does not help. Yeah. Um, it hardly ever helps. Yeah. You, if you're trying to overcome an addiction, it's really important to have a support group. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think being a bully is a part of human nature? Can you re can you rephrase that? What are... Do you think humans are inherently mean to people? That it's our it's our natural form or shape to be rude to people? Or do you think that we as humans need to are naturally good or naturally uh rude, if that makes sense? Okay. Um No, I don't I don't think it is our inherent nature. I think mm -hmm. that it's something that as society we learn to uh suppress or mm. oppress um i i think i'm really weird mm -hmm. and and i know a lot of people i'm not alone that a lot of peer people experience this but i'll have very impulsive thoughts mm -hmm. and i gave into those thoughts a lot more as a kid um and i remember not feeling very comfortable around the with the people that are around me. And I noticed that they thought I was weird. And so I kind of suppressed certain behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, every society does this. So actually, maybe it is a human behavior. Mm -hmm. um, because in a society, you tend to establish what is normal. And if that person steps out of the, the realm of normal, mm -hmm. um, bullying is kind of a form to get them back into yeah. normal. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different kinds of like bullying too. Like, and, and I'm, I'm going to call bullying essentially like abuse. Like there's physical abuse. Mm -hmm. There's, there's mental abuse. There's emotional, spiritual, you know, yeah. um, all kinds of like bullying and abuses and, you know, and cyber bullying as well. Um, but it's, it's so, 
I feel like it's so much easier mm -hmm. to be rude to people and to be outcasts to people than to accept people. Yeah. You know, it's so much easier to stay in your hate and to to stay in your ways instead of growing because growth, growth hurts. Yeah. Growth is painful because you, you're literally transforming yourself. I don't think bullying is natural in our bodies per se. I don't mm -hmm. think bullying helps us feel good. Yeah. So therefore, and I don't think bullying helps us survive. I think discernment and I think um, being discerning of other people helps us survive. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that actually physically antagonizing someone and abusing someone helps us survive. I think it's when people take that discernment too far mm -hmm. and they try to change that other person by abusing them. I'm majoring in illustration and I'm minoring in deaf studies. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning American Sign Language and learning about deaf culture. Um, and something that I learned was about colonialization. And when we think of colonialization, we think about um, ca Caucasian, like mm -hmm. white European people um, forcing their beliefs on um, um, another group of people that are considered less than them yep. or less um, evolved or sophisticated than them. Um, and I learned in my deaf culture class that colonialization can happen in as small a unit as family. Mm -hmm. um, and so the example that they gave is trying to make a deaf person as much like a hearing person as you possibly can, mm. which is not going to happen because no. they're not hearing. They're no. deaf. Um, Unless you can make them hear. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But you can't um, most of the time. Yeah. But the idea with that is um, with colonialization is we almost, we see it as a favor. Like this person isn't normal. So we're doing them a favor mm -hmm. by trying to get them as normal as possible. Um, and when I say normal, I'm talking about Societal norms. Societal norms. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, everyone deserves to be their normal. Mm -hmm. Whether that normal is you're deaf, whether that normal is you are LGBTQ plus, mm -hmm. um, whether your normal is <coughs> like some sort of disability, mm -hmm. you deserve to live your normal. Yeah. without having other people's idea of normal forced upon you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, do you think cognitive ability has anything to do with being a bully? Because there's a line in there that it says, if you were bigger and stupider, you'd be a bully too. And we can take that even into like a, a metaphorical stance. Like if you, bigger meaning power, if you have mm -hmm. power and if you were ignorant you'd be a bully too. Do you, do you think like cognitive ability, I don't want to say cognitive ability. Do you think, um, cognitive knowledge mm -hmm. makes you a bully? Like a lack of it? Like a lack of it. Yeah. No, no. I, I think anyone can be a bully. Mm. And here's the thing is, do you think power yeah. makes you a bully? Um, or does it I, help? No, I, okay. So, Let's let's look at Norman okay. and who he is, like who we see him as in the film. We see Norman, and he is always himself. He is one hundred percent all the time. 
himself, mm -hmm. even though he knows he's going to get um, disappointed glares from his father, he still says, Grandma says it's cold, can you turn up the thermostat? He still says hi to every single ghost that he passes on the sidewalk, even though he knows that to everyone else who's living and looking at him, he appears crazy, but he still chooses to say hi mm -hmm. to all of the ghosts. And he has integrity. He knows who he is, what he believes in. Yes, he still doesn't like, he, he still experiences bullying. It makes him sad. Um, but he still chooses to be himself. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's all about what integrities do you have? Mm. If you are someone without integrity and you get a position of power, yeah, you, you're more likely to become a bully. Um, but if you're a person with integrity, I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think it has to deal with cognitive ability at all. Um, I think it has to do all of, it has to do with what your personal beliefs are and your personal values. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. I, I can agree with that. I think, I think it's not just about your integrity mm -hmm. because people can, people can believe in whatever they want. But that doesn't mean they act on those beliefs. Yeah. Like there's there's a ton of um, there's a ton of Christians out there that aren't really Christians because they're not acting like Christ. They're not trying to act like Christ taught them to act. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some Christians, some people that claim to be Christians are very oppressive people, and and you know there are those churches like the Westboro Baptist Church mm -hmm. that like bully LGBTQ people yeah. even to their graves and at their funerals, saying that they're going to burn in hell. And it's like, you know, you can believe in whatever you want, but until it's backed up by actions, it means nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's the kindest thing to say that, like, there are Christians out there, um, what did you say, who aren't I, Christians? I said there are Christians out there that aren't trying to act in a way that is Christ-like. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't think you can take someone who... Uh, calls themselves Christian and tell them, no, you're not Christian because you do X, Y, Z. Um, because they, well, they... I'm not, I'm not saying you have to, I'm not saying that you have to like be Christ, like be perfect like Christ was. Yeah. But it's, it's the idea that they, that there are people out there that twist, um, beautiful words to bully other people. I'm, yeah. I don't think people, I don't think the Westboro Baptist Church are Christians just because they say they're Christians because mm -hmm. they, because they're actively seeking to oppress people. Yeah. And I, I'm saying that you can't call them not Christians because, um, I, I don't think that puts you in any better a position to judge them and say, you're not Christian. We can judge them because of their behaviors for being homophobic, for being racist, for being all these things mm -hmm. and we can align it to our idea of what it means to be a Christian, but you can't go to them and say, you're not Christian. Um, because that, that doesn't really put you in a better position either. You know, mm. am I making sense? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to understand like, but I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm trying to understand because, because how we got on this topic is we're talking about, you know, um, you like someone saying they have integrity mm -hmm. and someone having integrity 
is different than someone ha actually having integrity. And someone saying they're Christian or someone saying that they're, um, we don't even have to, like, we don't even have to, like, bring religion into it. Because I, I don't think that words have any weight to them unless they're backed up by actions. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing is Norman, Norman just has actions. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we as the audience get to look at him and see that he has integrity because of what we see him do. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like that. Um, if a guy has to tell you that he's a nice guy, he's not a nice he's guy. He's probably not a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like, you know, I feel like I'm justified in telling, like, if Alvin was a real person, uh -huh. I would be justified in telling him that he's not a nice person. Even if he said, I'm a nice person, uh -huh. I don't feel like I am. I am in the wrong by telling him you're not a nice person because of these actions that you've done. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that okay. does. That's kind of what I was saying with the okay. whole Christian thing. Okay. Um, I also, <laughs> I so I do love this movie and I I enjoy all the characters, but at the same time, Alvin is. He's, I don't know the words I'm trying to say. Um, he is so stereotypical of a, what you think a bully to be mm -hmm. that it's almost, it's almost comedic <clears throat> yeah. more than, um, actually cruel. Mm -hmm. Like what he does obviously is cruel, but he is such like a dunce. He's mm -hmm. a dunce. And it's interesting to me because the kids that fit Alvin's demographic that I went to high school with, they were not the bullies. Mm -hmm. Like, they were the anime-loving kids that would meet up at lunch um, and talk about their favorite TV shows and their favorite video games. Or they were the quiet kids that sat at the back of the class. The bullies from my high school were, the po were some of the popular kids. Like, um, there, were some, there were some athletes and some theater kids... Um, who I would say were bullied and it was never like physical bullying. I didn't see that a lot in my high school. Um, but you know, just people that would just talk about you very meanly behind your back mm -hmm. or would just kind of put down the, the, the smaller kids, the minority groups. So do you, so they had power. Do you think that power influenced them to be a bully? Cause they had that societal power of being popular. Yeah. I think, I think it. I think definitely probably their privilege gave them the confidence. Their friends helped them, helped kind of encourage them, you know. It's the mob mentality. The mob mentality. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's not, there were plenty of, you know, quote unquote popular kids in my school that were popular because they were just great kids. Mm -hmm. They were so nice. Um, and so it, it, it's definitely, they're the few. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were the loudest voices sometimes. Yeah. I, I think that like, uh, I think there's a lot of factors that lead into someone that wants to abuse someone else. And I, I think one of them, and we've already talked about this is someone that's different and that's uncomfortable to be around. Mm -hmm. And then I also think it's like someone that, um, that bullies you for the same things that like they feel insecure about. Oh yeah, and I, that, with, with that we could go into the bullying cycle, mm -hmm. where um, a person has been bullied by someone else, 
and has internalized that and internalized their insecurities. And that's exactly what they bully someone else for to try and get um, control over that. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was in school, uh, there were in my class in middle school, there were these two kids and they were both heavier set. Mm -hmm. uh, one was, they were, they were about like the same BMI. Mm -hmm. They were different weights because one was shorter and one was taller. Yeah. So it but, distributed differently. But it distributed differently. So, but like the, the taller one looked bigger uh -huh. than the shorter one, but they were both, they both still probably had about the same amount of fat on them, mm -hmm. uh, comparatively to each other with their height. And I remember the one that looked smaller would constantly like make jokes about the other one being fat and being big. And like, and I remember one day we were in class and he said a joke and then the other kid just started crying. Aww. Um, and, but like the, but then someone else in the class was like, said to the, said to the other kid that said that mean thing and was like, you're fat too. Uh -huh. And then that kid, I never heard that kid say another fat joke because they took away that power of mm -hmm. like, like probably not a nice thing to say. You're fat too. Yeah. But like, but, it, but I mean, it, he, he was, he was relentless to this other kid. Yeah. And, um, and I even saw instances where the other kid would bully other people. And it's just the cycle of like, you get bullied, then you bully someone else cause you're taking that out. But then also by that other person saying you're fat too, mm -hmm. that took away the power. And I think, um, and I think it's easy to bully people when you feel like you have empowerment to do so. Yeah. Um, but when you don't have that empowerment to bully anymore, then, you know, you, you sort of back down from it. Yeah. Um, with the bullying cycle though, you can't always wait for someone else to call you out and say, yeah. Hey, stop that. Like really, if you are in a bullying cycle, you need to be the one to break it. Looking mm -hmm. at Norman, his personality, what we've seen him do, um, if he and Alvin hadn't become kind of friends, mm -hmm. they they were they went through a a zombie invasion mm -hmm. um, and kind of solidified. They went through a traumatic experience together. Yeah, and, and that so, creates bonds. <laughs> yeah, it created a bond. But even if that hadn't happened, and the rest of school, Alvin always bullied Norman. I think that Norman would have still broken the bullying cycle because that just didn't fit who he was. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that Alvin, there's a couple of scenarios. Either Alvin is receiving negative attention from the adults in his life, his mm -hmm. guardians, whoever they may be, um, and he is inflicting that same negative attention on Norman, or Alvin is being neglected and mm -hmm. not receiving any attention from the adults in his life. Mm -hmm. And so he is doing behaviors that he know will get them attention, get him attention because any attention, even bad attention is better than no attention at all. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are being neglected. Yeah. And like that even goes down to parenting. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, us as adults, we have a responsibility with young minds to, to teach them how to treat other people well. Yeah. Um, because like children are not as cognitively developed and, and honestly, like their brains are selfish. Their mm -hmm. brains are more selfish than, than, um, ours are made to be because mm -hmm. they don't have, they literally have not grown past their cognitive ability to feel empathy or sympathy. A lot of the time, mm -hmm. uh, there are some kids that, 
that I feel like feel more sympathy and empathy than others, mm -hmm. um, for sure. But we have a responsibility as adults to, to, um, nip bullying in the butt, yeah, essentially, and and that that's part of why like when I was bullied in middle school a lot, like so much of it could have been resolved if my bullies ever got in trouble. Yeah, they never ever got in trouble. They never got consequences. And then when I fought, fought back once. I got detention mm -hmm. and I got suspension. Um, and like it, and it was the adult's fault that like they would, they would hear and see me get bullied and they wouldn't do anything. And my mom would like contact them and mm -hmm. say, Hey, this is happening. Can we, can we figure this out? And I'm not talking about like, like them just like saying, Hey, knock that off. Cause that doesn't work. Like you need to actually discipline them so that they don't do it again. Yeah. And, and it can't, it can't, it can't come from me. Mm -hmm. Like it can't come from the victim because then that makes the bully more inclined to bully you because you got them in trouble. Like every, yeah. whenever it came from me and I got someone else in trouble, it made it worse for me. Mm -hmm. And so adults really have to be cognizant and, and aware, especially if you're a teacher and especially if you're a parent of, of what is happening with the kids around you because they don't understand and you also have a responsibility not to bully your kids because then they're gonna go and cause trauma and abuse for other kids yeah you know did i ever tell you that i was once sent to the principal's office for bullying really yeah and i still feel so guilty to this day but um it happened where so i was in fourth grade and i had become friends with this girl um and like we played at recess all the time and I like I met her in the class mm -hmm. like I didn't know her beforehand and we started playing and then my best friend at the time transferred schools mm -hmm. and transferred into my class a few months into the school year um, and I was so excited because I'm like oh it's my best friend and we um, we only lived like two houses away from each other mm -hmm. um, and so I started playing with her at recess instead of this girl that I had become friends with. Um, and I remember there was one time where um, the girl, I don't want to use any names and yeah. just in case I listen. But anyway, the girl had come up to us um, and said, hey, can I play with you? And my, my friend who lived in my neighborhood, she leaned over and whispered in my ear, I don't want to play with her. And like, she was my, you know, she was my friend outside of school. And mm -hmm. so I was all like, um, no, you can't. And that girl that I had become friends with had gone to the teacher, um, and told them, and then the teacher took it to the principal and I got called into the principal's office for bullying because I had excluded her. And thinking about that, I get so sad. Um, I did not stay friends with that friend by the way mm -hmm. um like we ended up parting ways at middle school um and looking back on that I feel so bad that I had let my f my quote-unquote friend influence me to exclude another person mm -hmm. um well it's easier to do that when you have people yeah that are excluding too yeah and it's so much harder to defend the loner and the one percent mm -hmm. when the 99 percent like because then you're the outcast the minute yeah. you defend someone that's the outcast, then you're the outcast and you become the outcast. Okay. That actually, um, I was going to continue talking about that, but because you brought up that, I want to change subjects. Okay. Mitch. Neil's older brother. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So we find out in the very last part of the movie mm-hmm. that Mitch is openly gay and has a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But do you remember the first scene with Mitch where we meet him? Neil and Norm... So Neil invited Norman over to hang out with him at his house mm-hmm. to play with his dead dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Norman's first time, I, I'm guessing, is mm-hmm. his first time being invited over to play with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet Mitch, who says to Neil, isn't that the weird kid? Um, and he says, just a tip, Neil, don't hang out with the weird kid. So he... I, Mitch is just, I want to know so much more about him because he is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's living in a small town. And he's living so in a small accepted. town. Um, and yet he is telling his brother, don't hang out with the outcast. Mm-hmm. So I really, what, um, I'll shame, I'll share my theory, but I want to hear yours. What, what is going through Mitch's mind knowing now that he is openly gay and has a boyfriend. Why did he say that? If Norman was an outcast because he was LGBTQ, I think he, I think Mitch would have been more accepting. Mm-hmm. But so it goes along everyone, with everyone has their own normals. Being uh-huh. LGBTQ, being gay is normal for him. Uh huh. And Norman but was seeing outside ghosts, of his seeing normal. Seeing ghosts isn't normal for Mitch. Uh huh. So that's outside of his normal. So he's not, he's not going to include him because it's outside of his normal. We all have our own normals, like you said. And when someone isn't in that, you know, we have to change or we have to suppress it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's your theory yeah, on that? Yeah, so you think it's because it, Norman was outside of his... If Mitch saw ghosts, then he would have accepted him. Yeah. So my most compassionate assumption for Mitch telling Neil this um, is because he is trying to protect Neil. Where he he's experienced some bullying in his life. Mm-hmm. Um for being gay um, and he knows how hard it is and how upsetting it is um, but he, obviously like he's learned to accept it and love himself and embrace himself but he like Neil is already kind of you know on, on a little bit on the outside he's definitely more accept, accepted mm-hmm. than Norman yeah. but you know he is, he is the chubby redhead mm-hmm. um, and I think that Mitch probably looks at Neil and thinks I want to protect him from what I went through. Mm. And so seeing him hang out with Norman instead of seeing that as that's awesome. Like they're, they're friends. Like the weird kid gets a friend. He's looking out and he's all like, I don't want my brother to experience the bullying that I experienced. Because if he was friends with him, then he would get bullied as well. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I, what you said earlier made me want to bring this up is, um, there you risk being outcasted when you when you accept or mm-hmm. befriend or acknowledge an outsider. It's so easy to stay on the outside and say, say we need a we need to help defend victims, uh-huh. and we we. But if you're going against the majority to defend victims, I think I think we should. I think we honestly should defend victims mm-hmm. of abuse. But when, but like I'll, I'll hear people say. Man, I would have, I would have, I wouldn't have st- stood for the Nazi regime. I wouldn't have tolerated it. I would have punched Nazis left and right. Uh-huh. I would have gone rogue. I'm like, chances are you probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Most people didn't. Most people like, if if 
you know, if soldiers were out on the street right now grabbing people, mm-hmm. not just not just like people that were different, but people that defended the people that were different mm-hmm. and taking them all to a concentration camp, it would be incredibly hard to defend people, to continue to defend. It's all this, it's all a witch hunt at mm-hmm. that point. And bullying is all a witch hunt. It's all like, okay, I don't want to be on the ostracized end so I'm not going to defend this person that's the victim because I need to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so fascinating that mob mentality can really just like cause people to, to not stand up for what they believe in. Yeah. Um, and to not help victims because they don't want to be the victim. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually I think this is a good transition into focusing on Agatha, mm-hmm. um, and the, the zombies, mm-hmm. the, the witnesses, it's really hard not to put people of the past into black and white. Mm-hmm. It's so hard not to. Um, but I, I don't think you can, I don't think that gives it justice. We can, we can look at people of the past and say they were wrong. They were evil. What they did, um, was hateful and awful but that that's not giving the whole truth mm-hmm. um, because the other side of it is they were in a lot of cases they were doing what either they had been raised to believe was right um, or or they were afraid or they were afraid and so like we we have people on one end that say anyone in the past who was racist should be erased you know, and I and I even hear it about the founding fathers, about especially Thomas Jefferson. If we erase um, history, we are doomed to repeat it. Ah, isn't that a Iro quote? It's something I've heard it over and over, but it, I think it's true. If if we don't teach real history, we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, um, but uh, but on the other end, it's so easy for the other group of people to say. Um, Thomas Jefferson was a man of his time mm-hmm. and we can't judge him for being a man of his time. Um, in my illus- I'm, so I'm taking a history of illustration class um, and we're going through the 1900s right now, mm-hmm. which has a lot of sexist, um, homophobic and racist illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to talk about them because they're part of American illustration history. Um, but, and, and so we have that conversation every day of class is do we call this person a man of his time who was just doing what everyone else was doing and that makes it okay? Or do we say, like, cancel him, cancel everything he ever did? And you can't, you can't do either one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, you need, you need to give them, you need to understand that they were just as complex as you were. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so complex. Yeah. And we... Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with cancel culture. I agree with consequence culture. Yeah. I think cancel culture negates the ability for people to accept what they did wrong and change. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like cancel culture is just cancel them. They're done. You're not allowed in, in, in society essentially. But I think consequence culture is very, um, is a way better alternative because when someone does something bad, they get a consequence for their actions Mm -hmm. and then they have a choice whether or not to continue making those actions Mm -hmm. or to continue or to, to change and to be better and to try to be better. 
And um, what do you do though if it's a person in the past who doesn't have that opportunity though? I think we. Well, speaking of bullying, we bully so many historical figures. Uh-huh. For like, we bully Hitler and Stalin all the time. And I mean, they were evil, awful men. They did awful, mm-hmm. awful things. Um, but they were complex humans too. Yeah. And I, it frustrates me so much that we can never get the full side of history. Mm-hmm. We can never get the full side of the story because, because history is written by the people that wrote it down, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's written by like people that from their perspective. Yeah. And you know, if we got, if we had a zoomed out perspective of all of history, I think a lot of things would have cleared up. Mm-hmm. But we don't. We have individual pieces of zoomed in pieces of history. And people are also have the ability to lie in those pieces of history. Mm-hmm. And they have the ability to withhold things and to change the truth. Yeah. You know? Like, and because people are fallible. But if, you know, un- until we have a zoomed out view of history, we don't know everything that happened. Um, obviously. And like, video is making that so much easier now. Because mm-hmm. now we can see proof. Like, we can see actual, hard, physical, like, proof of, like, oh, I can see, even though I wasn't there, I can see what this person did, and I can see, you know, it, it's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, like, how video just changed the whole, and now everyone has access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think history is going to be a lot more clear, because now we have videos, hopefully. But, yeah, I, it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to... We shouldn't justify the evil things people have done. No, we, we can say this was wrong Mm -hmm. then it's wrong now it Mm -hmm. will always be wrong Mm -hmm. um and we can we can still analyze it but we can still learn from it we can still why is this wrong yeah what can we do differently Mm -hmm. so this doesn't happen again yeah that that's i think that's what we need to do and like i i thought it was so interesting that they had the story of this evil witch and Mm -hmm. she was just a little girl and like they're their town center statue was of an ugly, gross witch. Yeah, I and don't I think like, they knew. I don't think no. they knew that Agatha... I don't know if they even knew her name, because they always referenced her as just the witch. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they... I, I would have... Like, you kill... A, a group of people kills a little girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to tell their kids that it was a little girl. Yeah. You know, I mean... I don't know. It's and, uh, difficult. Do you know... Um, during the infamous Salem witch trials, uh, do you know the youngest age of um, someone who was accused for being a witch? I don't. Four years old. They weren't. They weren't executed. Okay. Um, it was Dorothy Good, Sarah Good's daughter. Mm. So Sarah Good, like she was, like she's a she main. She was one of the main. Ones, she was yeah. the main one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and she eventually got executed. She was hung, mm-hmm. hanged. Um, but for eight months, um, her four-year-old daughter, Dorothy Good, um, was imprisoned because she had been accused for witchcraft. And she very well could have been executed, too, mm-hmm. at just four years old. Yeah. Um, she's definitely the outlier. Like, the majority of women were in their 30s up into, I think the oldest one was like 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're out of... Out of the 20 people that were executed during the Salem witch hunt, five of them were men. So it wasn't just women. Mm-hmm. Um, but witch hunts happened all over Europe, mm-hmm. all over... Um, New England. New England. Yeah. Well, I mean, mob mentality turns people into zombies. Mm-hmm. It causes them literally not to think. And, like, 
and to think rationally and to be like, you know, no normal person is gonna is gonna be like, yeah, that that four year old girl is a witch, you yeah. know, like someone thinking rationally is gonna be like, what's a four year old girl gonna do to us as a community, yeah, as a witch, and like, yeah, um, and I also think like if someone if someone in power oppresses people, it's so much easier for the people under them to oppress them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the, um, the curse that Agatha created um, for the just, for the witnesses? I think that, I don't know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people that want to kill an 11 year old girl because mm-hmm. she's different. Yeah. Um, but I think it caused more harm for her. Yeah, because um, she wasn't able to let go of that. She wasn't letting go yeah. of her pain and her hurt. And mm-hmm. then when she did, she was happier. I, I I thought it was perfect because they they made her a monster in their eyes and punished her because of it. And so once she became a witch, um, she did the exact same thing to them. She made them monsters in mm-hmm. the eyes of the people. Um, and the, during the whole big monster fight mob scene if you watch it none of the zombies are hurting people the people are hurting the zombies Mm -hmm. and so i i thought it was perfect justice so my theory about agatha an 11 year old girl becoming the powerful witch that we see her in norman um so we learned that she had she had a very loving mother um all she wanted was her mommy um, her, and we see the tree that Agatha says, my mommy took me to this tree and read stories. So I think that, um, so Agatha was a normal person. She could see ghosts, but in the end she was just a normal person. Um, when she died and they buried her underneath the tree, I think her mom, out of grief, went to that spot and just read stories. I don't think she was thinking about keeping Agatha's vengeful spirit at bay. Mm-hmm. I think she just thought about, I want to read this book that my daughter loved at my daughter's grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because it was such a traumatic, sudden death, I think that Agatha, Agatha's spirit was there, was restless, but her mom's reading the book probably soothed her. And then years pass, her mom passes away, and that's the first time that Agatha really develops her witch powers. Mm. Um, and I think that when that started happening, probably another child, maybe Agatha's brother or sister, or maybe even a nephew, um, saw Agatha's spirit, saw it getting restless, and so started reading her the bedtime stories. Mm. And that's how it started, just passing down reading Agatha bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had and, that theory too. Yeah, and like, if you think about it, it's it's so sweet, but at the same time, it did not allow Agatha to really comprehend what happened to her and move forward. It kept her in this state of just um, either being dormant because of the bedtime story or just being enraged. Her family line was suppressing her. Mm-hmm. But I don't, and but I don't think the first few people that did it, her closest family members, I don't think they did it intentionally. I think their real thought was, mm-hmm. I'm gonna read um, a bedtime story to a loved one who I lost. Mm-hmm. But I mean, instead of oppressing her, because through that family line, they could see dead people, right, mm-hmm. and they could talk to them. Instead of oppressing her, like actually talking to her, yeah, 
um, as a dead person would have solved it. And I, I loved how Paran, uh, I called him Paranorman, Norman, <laughs> he, instead of oppressing her and instead of suppressing her, he tried to, mm -hmm. but then when he realized that like, it wasn't going to help, that he would just have to keep on doing it he decided to help her and actually just talk to her. Yeah. And sometimes that's all people need is to just have someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's... I, um, the grandma says that at the very beginning, mm -hmm. and I think that sets up the entire movie. Um, so the very beginning of the movie, Norman is watching a zombie movie, um, and the grandma is <laughs> sitting behind him mm -hmm. and asking all the questions that I ask you yeah. while watching a movie, like... What, why is he doing that? Why is he eating her brains? Mm -hmm. And Norman is all like, it's just what zombies do. And she says, I'm sure if they just sit down and talk about it, it'd be a different story. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the, in, that's the entire movie is like, instead of just making assumptions and see a zombie mm -hmm. kill it, like what happens if you sit down with the zombie and talk to it or sit down with the accused witch. Sit down with your kids and talk to them. Sit down to your Sit down with your peers and talk to them. Yeah. And get to know their side of the story. Mm -hmm. Get to know them. Like, see the world through their eyes. Sit down and learn history to try mm -hmm. to understand it better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if we just, if we just try, if we just try to accept each other and to learn, we don't have to come to an agreement all the time. We don't have to come to... A final conclusion yeah in fact I don't think we ever will come to a final conclusion about anything mm -hmm. but if we keep trying to to learn and to accept other people we'll be better off yeah it'll make the world a a, a nicer place to live mm -hmm. yeah because everyone deserves the right to be here yeah yeah so take that with you guys I think uh, I think we've talked long enough but uh, we will be back after the short musical break <laughs> So sorry to give you this moral dilemma. It's oh, no. a really hard one. Oh no. Would you rather have your child be bullied or be the bully? <gasps> Dang. I mean, obviously neither. Yeah. Well, this isn't a yes or no, a... right or wrong question. Yeah. It's a discussion question. Um, okay. Wow. If And your if... kids are my kids. Yeah, so we <laughs> there is a children's book. I think it's called The Revenge Pie. It's basically about this kid who's getting bullied. He comes home and tells his mom about it. His mom says, let's make him a revenge pie. Um, and she's going to fill it with all this gross stuff like worms and dung and beetles and all this stuff. But the thing is, in order to um, get the revenge pie to work its magic, you need to be nice to the bully for a complete day. Um, and so the little boy in the story does it. And by the end of it, the bully and him become friends. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always work. No. Um, and, and then you find out that the mom just made a normal pie and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there are other stories about a parent stepping in and being kind to their children's bully, their child's bully. And then the child's bully after experiencing kindness from the adult no longer feels the desire to bully the child. Mm -hmm. So I would hope that as a parent, I would be able to do something like that. 
where if I knew that my child was getting bullied by a specific person, I could show compassion and kindness to that bully mm -hmm. and hopefully change it around. Yeah. Um, if our kid was the bully, gosh, I, I just hope I would be able to recognize it and not be awful. And you be know? an enabler to... Yeah, because I, I have seen parents of bullies that their kids are bullies because their parents bully them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have seen um, a situation where a kid will say something really mean about another kid and the mom just straight up slapped him upside the head and said, don't you dare say that. Yeah, that helps a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I would hope that if our child was being a bully, that I would be able to recognize it and not slap them upside the head and be like, stop that. I don't think I would. Um, I'd, I don't want to ever hit our future kids. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that if I found out that one of our kids was being a bully, that I could sit down and help them through whatever is happening to them emotionally um, that is causing them to feel that way. Mm. So which one would I rather have? Probably our child getting bullied because I feel like that would definitely... I, I feel like as a parent that I would be able to handle that better mm -hmm. um than finding out that our kid was the one bullying mm -hmm. i feel like if, i feel like that would be more comfortable for me especially since i've been bullied before yeah because then i would think like where did i go wrong like mm -hmm. why is our kid a bully but again children act out every everyone acts out mm -hmm. when a need isn't being met yeah um and, and so, that could be socially outside of your home like yeah. i i i don't think because i, cause I have been in situations i've never like actively gone out to hurt people or bully someone but uh -huh. i've been in situations where things got out of hand and i kept digging into someone one day or i kept like saying mean things to someone one day or one night you know and then you know and i, I think it's because of my own insecurities and it's not it wasn't my parents fault it wasn't mm -hmm. it was it was my bully's fault that i felt that way and i felt that insecure but do you think that if you um if one of your parents um, or both of your parents had sat down and just very genuinely like opened up to you and said, hey, I noticed that you're struggling. Um, is there anything you want to talk to me about it? And was able to have a healthy relate or a healthy conversation with your parents. Do you think that would have helped even if the situation outside of the home hadn't changed? Um, yeah, I think it definitely would have helped. I think my my parents tried their best mm -hmm. um to help the situation but they my dad would just be like well just um they'd give me the clichés they'd be like mm -hmm. uh just be um the just be nice person. to them be the bigger person ignore them mm -hmm. and i learned all these techniques that hardly ever worked yeah um and i you know uh um i think someone that has power over the bully has to take some power away, mm -hmm. has some amount of power, whether it's an adult, whether for some reason, the social hierarchy of the group, that other person is in a higher position. Mm -hmm. People of power have a huge responsibility in toning back abuse and bullying. Yeah. I think, but yeah, I think it would have helped Yeah. better. I mean, I, I don't want to, I was never really bullied. Of course I got my feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but one thing that helped is, if I ever had my feelings hurt, I knew I could go straight to my mom mm -hmm. and I could just tell her everything. And 
like she she would just listen she would be the person that I could just talk to and she wouldn't fix it wouldn't fix the problem right away but it just helps so much knowing that I could tell my mom anything um and she would just be there for me mm -hmm. yeah I definitely think the parents reaction to it is very important whether their child is being a bully or being bullied mm -hmm. but yeah okay cool well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and answer this question. Um, uh, Twitter is at Zaki the Zombie and Instagram is Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. You can also follow us on TikTok at Feed Don't Eat Your Brain and then you can email us at Feed Don't Eat Your Brain at gmail.com. Also follow us on YouTube and Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, for Fortune Horseman. And I think that's it. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Have a great time and have a spooky, happy Halloween. That was a zombie. Bye-bye.